Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. Happy New Year. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I'll be a lot happier if the Oilers can win a game on New Year's Day that they couldn't finish the job on New Year's Eve. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah. That was a tough way to lose. They kept coming. That was a roller coaster of a game. The orders kept Whatever. coming back in the game, kept coming back in the game, and then they gave it away with two uh, two late goals. They did get their first loser point of the year, but a um, uh, 6-5 loss to the New Jersey Devils. And uh, we had the great A shots, 18 for New Jersey and 16 for the Oilers. So it's not like the Oilers got robbed in this game. Uh, it was... Uh, High-flying, 1980s style hockey game. Lots of mistakes. Uh, some great goaltending, some bad goaltending. Um, let's get at it, Bruce. We'll just, uh, you got an appointment, so we're going to do one good thing, one bad thing, and one number today. Okay. You're, you're a good thing. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the play of young Kyler Yamamoto, uh, who uh, finally got his offensive game into gear with a, a pair of goals. And an uber cheap assist, but he, I'm sure he'll take it. He's actually got assists now, I think, in three consecutive games after having only one all year until now. Uh, uh, the, the assist was a puck that caromed off him in the neutral zone that went to Duncan Keith for a breakaway pass to uh, Connor McDavid. So that Yamamoto had nothing much to do with that one, but he sure had a lot to do with the two goals, which he got basically by uh, uh, by going to the net. Uh, one of which he uh, yeah, deflected one home from the slot uh, in the uh, uh, first period to tie the game at 2-2. And then he uh, uh, got a, got his second goal, uh, put the orders ahead in the third. First of all, he went to the net and drew a penalty, the only penalty, the only time a referee raised his arm against New Jersey all afternoon. The one power play orders did get was called by uh, the linesman. Yeah. The refs. Uh, anyway, uh and that caused a great big hullabaloo and about a seemed like a four-hour uh, delay while the referees eventually decided that it was non-challengeable and therefore they weren't either going to give uh, New Jersey uh, a favorable ruling or charge them with the penalty, even though they delayed the game for 10 minutes in the process. Anyway, Yamamoto got up from that and uh, the play carried on and he went right back to the net and uh, uh, Dreisaitl found him a second time on the uh, edge of the crease, and he was able to hammer that one home. Uh, but that aside, you know, he had uh, uh, he had uh, uh, a couple of hits in this game, a, a block shot, or uh, pardon me, a takeaway, and I just thought he was really uh, involved, skating well and making stuff happen. Uh, I recall a play where, you know, he won a race to cancel out an icing. You know, he had his skating legs, uh, uh, he had his skating legs in, in gear, and this is frankly the best he's looked in quite some time. So uh, among several choices of uh, potential good things, uh, hate to overlook another youngster, Ryan McLeod, in this game, but uh, uh, Yamamoto is the orders of one, and we've done two good things. He would have been the other one, let's put it that way. So honorable mention to him. What's your good thing? Uh, just quickly on Yamamoto, when he and Nugent Hopkins were on the ice, and I thought the Dynamite line finally had a really good game. It's going to keep that line. They're, they keep going back to it. I have to, you know, yep. I was calling for it all last year. Well, I'm getting it this year. And and they finally had a really good game. They scored, you know, they got Yamamoto's two goals. They were dangerous. 
throughout mm-hmm. the game. Um, connecting well, I thought Nugent Hopkins had a better game. They outshot them. Um, they had 65% shot share when they were on the ice. So it's good to see the Dynamites get going. It's absolutely critical for the Edmonton Oilers that that happen. If that line can start to play, I mean, they. Uh, I think it's now, uh, it was 11 to 8. So they're now 13 to 8 in for goals. Uh, for goals uh, for and against that even strength Bruce which mm-hmm. isn't too shabby but they just that line needs to be in the 60% goals for 65% goals for percentage because it's three very skilled excellent and high paid players say for Yamamoto um, so good game for them Bruce my good thing <coughs> was Connor McDavid and um, we haven't seen this McDavid in a while, I think. It's uh, funny. I was thinking the same thing. Because when you see it, you think, oh, we that's Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. That's how he plays. He, yeah. he I, I don't know what it's what it's been. You never know, right? Uh whether they're injured, sick, whatever, or just down or in a slump or but um that was his best game in a long time. He was he, he was dangerous all night and he was making hustle plays all night. He was really going for it. You know, he playing the game with the, the, the kind of the typical McDavidian energy that we expect. Uh, he Ryan McLeod made a spectacular, you know, pass to him on the first goal, and it was so critical because the orders were down one nothing early, and he popped yeah. that one in, and yeah, again, and but he got that one, and um, and then Duncan Keith uh, made an absolutely splendid pass, one of the nicest passes we've seen all year, right up the middle of the ice to mm-hmm. send McDavid in on a breakaway, and he scored again. Um. You know, he was, uh, I, I also liked how after um, uh, Severson blindsided uh, Hyman with a hit, first McDavid um, went, mm-hmm. went to his aid and then Nurse. Nurse wasn't quite as good because it led to a dangerous two-on-one shot. And gradation. a penalty. And a penalty. So that wasn't as good. But McDavid, I really liked him. He had just, he had just come off standing up for Mike Smith. A moment yeah, he did it so twice. Uh, he did it twice. So when he's doing that, that's huge yeah. for the Edmonton Oilers. It's it's absolutely huge to see McDavid play that way. Um, that's what a captain does. That's the captain trying to pull his team uh, almost single-handedly in some some moments out of a slump and a, his own slump where he hadn't been scoring in recent games. So um, he was he was marginally well. He lost the face-off on the New Jersey's fifth goal. Yes. Uh, and um, they were all really tired out there. You, you, yes. Initially, I was ticked off because I forgot the rule that you're not allowed to call a timeout. The Oilers weren't allowed to call a timeout. You know, their their players have been on the ice forever. CC and and have been on, almost on the ice for two minutes by then. Okay. But uh, they lost. McDavid lost that faceoff. But the real loss was Sevier either got picked or he lost the battle on the faceoff. He got knocked on his keister. And um, I, th- I thought it was close enough that I'd say he lost the battle, and then he failed to get out to the point to cover the shot. It was a, it was a hard hockey play. Two guys, two guys banging into each other, and the smaller guy fell down, got knocked down. So um, anyway, that's not McDavid. That's on that's on on Sevier. But great game from Connor McDavid, and um, little he was part of a little bit of a screw up in overtime as well, where there was a breakaway. But I, I put that actually a little bit more on Leon. Uh, who was slow in the back check. But um, if he can crank it up again tomorrow, if McDavid can, that'll be great. They'll win if he can do that. Bruce, what's your bad thing? Sadly, McDavid wound up minus one in this game. You know, he scored the two goals, but New Jersey got three on his watch. And the winner, you know, uh, 
went right through his like his screen was he did screen uh, the goalie part, part of the issue and the faceoff loss was a was a key component of that one. He did play really well. I wouldn't be surprised if he was tired at the end. He played 27 minutes and 57 seconds today. So we'll see what kind of legs he's got tomorrow. But uh, they looked like it in overtime, eh, Bruce? Like yeah, yes. Tired. He and yes. Drysaddle looked tired. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Drysaddle only played 24 and a half minutes. So, yeah. you know, but I mean, that's a lot of minutes for a forward for both of them. But uh, uh, that's the Oilers. They've got these uh, two powerhouses that they totally rely on and you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, let's move to your bad thing. Yeah, I'm going to, I think, talk about Edmonton's generally so-so defensive play <clears throat> and their, they're, again, uh, poor start to the game. They did have a couple of chances. Pugliarvi had a couple of early chances. But, geez, I mean, New Jersey had a 10-bell chance about I think 19 seconds into the game, and this happens every friggin' game. I'm sick of it. Like the the first shift of the game, and they fall asleep before the you know before there's even been a whistle, and you have a two on one, you know, because you know somebody makes a mistake and nobody else covers for it, and all of a sudden you know you've got an odd man situation, and and they came out uh, just I mean what they gave in three goals in the first 11 minutes of this game. Yeah. And you'd think by now that uh, this idea of, you know, starting games slowly, killing this team, might have gradually sunk into the idea of, hey, let's be ready for the start of the game. And yet, here that we are a, again, yeah. getting, getting blown up in the in the opening minutes of the game. And that was Nurse, uh, eh? he, he misread the play. Nurse tried to make the play. Yes. And yep, he blew the pinch. Yeah, flat, he was playing his first watch. shift in two weeks, you know. So yeah, and he should some... have been thinking, I'll take it yeah. easy here. I'm not going to yeah. try to force things. I'm going to just maybe hang back. That makes sense. I mean, he's the NHL hockey player, not me, but would that make sense? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I just, I think a little bit of uh, conservatism at the, in the early portions of games might not go amiss with this crew because of the the constant, you know, getting scored on first and usually early. Yeah. Sure enough, in this game, it was uh, a little bit of a thin penalty, and then they scored right away off the power play, uh, you know, 98 seconds into the first period, and there are the Oilers trailing. They tie it up, 17 seconds later, they're trailing again, you know, and it's it, it, it's uh, it's gotten old. It's gotten old, and, our, you know, their defensive play, and i got to say, they're net mining today. Uh, I didn't think it was up to scratch. Uh Smith, I mean, he faced a lot of rubber. They had, you know, they had 41 pucks on net. They had, uh, what do you say, 18 grade A scoring chances. He had some good saves. But, man, as it seemed like three or four of the goals went right through him. There's a couple of goals. I honestly don't know how, how they even went in the net. That, yeah. Uh, came from outside. And, they, you know, two went through the six hole. There was a guy that, uh, I think this was a 3-2 goal where the it was just, it looked like a routine uh, sort of three on three and Dawson Mercer, the good Newfoundland boy, he went, uh, he just busted up the middle and nobody went with him and the puck got through and he scooped it right under Smith's arm and into the net. And Smith's legs were open, his arms were out here and the shot was coming from like five feet out. You got to close it up. And he didn't and the puck found a hole. 
And, yeah. you know, the tying goal from the point, I mean, I, I was, I, it may have hit something. I saw nothing conclusive in the, re, in the replay that convinced me that the puck didn't literally go through Smith. It was like a 60-foot wrist shot that hit the middle of the net. Don't quite know how it got there. It might have hit a guy in the body or something. Anyway. And I didn't gotta, see it, Bruce. I didn't you see gotta it. you got to be big in the net. you got to be big in the net. Yeah. And then in overtime, of course, he makes two good saves in overtime. And then the shot from outside the top of the circle in on his body. And again, he can't squeeze it. He finds a hole and dribbles about two inches over the goal line. And there was uh, there was just too many of those today. And, and for all, you know, and he did make some good saves, like I said, but uh, not enough of them. And six goals against is brutal. You know, that's I mean, you, you don't ever win in this league with six goals against pretty much. And. They gave him five goals of support, and uh, it still wasn't enough. It was, it was like a kind of a WHA performance in that uh, from the goalie. You know, in the WHA, Don Smokey McLeod. This was a Don Smokey McLeod kind of game. Lots of passes from the uh, coming off the big paddle, you know, and then uh, a couple of pretty shaky moments on the puck stopping side of things. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, yeah, that's it. These big, huge saves, absolutely huge saves, followed by, like, how did that get in? Yeah, and his te- technique was poor. You know, like, he, he made saves. He he was responsive, but he was kind of all over the place, and it hurt him. And yeah, at least he didn't get knocked out of the game in that big pile-up uh, in the third period where he looked like he got his leg wrenched from his body. So that was some good news. Um, yeah, Bruce, I agree. He just... That last goal against, like, it did go through McDavid's legs, but it was kind of an outside shot and seemed like he should be able to see it through McDavid's legs. And then it went right through through him, like it squeaked through him. So there's just too many moments like that where they just, where they needed the save. But again, he he came up big and he did make that save in those moments again and again, including, including two huge breakaway saves in overtime. But... Uh, you know, it's not a good ratio. In the end, I'm counting 19 grade A shots. I just upgraded one of them. So 19 and uh, and and six goals. That's not good enough. You know, four goals. That would have on 19 grade A shots. Then the Oilers win that game, right? Um, but but six. No, you can't have that. You can't have that. Bruce, I'm gonna. I, I've been complimentary towards Colton Sevier. My bad thing is Colton Sevier this game. Four major mistakes at even strength on grade A shots against. For a winger, that's a huge number. And it's not like there was only one of them which was which left me really uh, thinking, what, is, what was he up to? A lot of them were kind of tough plays where he's trying to get out to the point to stop the shot and he doesn't get there. And that's including on New Jersey's fifth goal where he got knocked over by Nathan Bastian. Is that his name? He was rumored to be... Mm-hmm. He was rumored to be coming to the Oilers um, earlier on. I guess New Jersey didn't want to trade him in conference, or New Jersey or Seattle didn't want to trade him in conference. And New Jersey, unless it was a waiver wire pickup, um, I'm not, I can't. I didn't see that a transaction when it happened. Anyway, he, there are some tough plays on the like on the um, the first goal against on the power play. There's kind of a wide open one timer, a little too wide open for my liking. And it's because you know the Oilers do have the green light to chase on the on the PK and to try to win that puck. But both Ryan and he kind of got pulled over and it was just a wide open 
one timer. And this I thought is the they one were, nothing goal, eh? This is the one nothing goal, the first goal for for Seattle or for, not Seattle for New Jersey. And um, I I thought it was yeah, both he and Ryan were a bit culpable on that one. The one that really got me though was New Jersey uh, New Jersey's fourth goal by Kuakinen, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. And he came in. It's the play starts, and the biggest culprit was Slater Kukuk, who is laid on a pinch. Laid on a pinch. Oh, man. Yeah. Caught, caught, caught uh, on that play. I don't know why he's... Anyway, laid on the pinch. And boom, they're off to the races. And and uh, Sevier and Bouchard kind of move over to the player who gets the puck to, to head, on, head him off at the pass. But he, he slides the puck over to the other wing. And Ryan is over there. But um, Kwakening is the, the latecomer on that play. He's coming into the play. And Sevier just gives him all the time and space in the world. Just incredible gap. There was no one else for Colton Sevier to cover on that play. There was no other uh, New Jersey player rushing into the slot that he had to take. All he had to do was move up on Kwakinen, and there's no shot at all. He's a smart defensive player. He just he just didn't get that read. He wasn't there on time. He just, sometimes that happens to even a really smart defensive player where they just misread the play and and allow a shot unless there's something I missed there like some other thing that would stop him from covering that guy but that was the only guy coming into the play and maybe Seaver thought oh Ryan might get beat down the board so I better be there but you know had his man he's got to cover his own man and that's who scored the goal so I really didn't like that play it was a rough night for for Colton Seaver in the defensive end well we have him as a culprit uh, one of the culprits on three New Jersey goals Ooh. And when you, when you, you know, I mean, one of them was yeah. on the penalty kill, one of them was on the five on six, and you could debate whether he was the culprit or the ref who didn't call the pick play was yeah. the culprit, but he didn't get to the point and cover his man, and he lost the battle, you could say, trying to get out there, um, and, but he's there for his defensive play, the reason he's out there in the last minute of the game, uh, even though the faceoff was because of an icing, so the coach didn't have full choice, but he was out there, you know, protecting the lead very late uh, because he's a good defensive player, but he did not have a good defensive game. Yeah. Bruce, what is your number? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with, the, I guess I'm going to go with the number one, which is the number points Edmonton got from this game. It's also the number of loser points they now have in the entire season, game number 31. They at least got a point for their loss after their previous uh, 12 losses had all come in regulation. Uh, of course, they played some or, or extra time before, gimmick time, I call it, whether it's three-on-three three or shootout. Either way, it's kind of a gimmick that decides those games, and they won the first three, so that's good. That's what you want. You want to always win that extra point. But they haven't had enough games where they've, you know, had some kind of result out of it, so I guess you're going you're gonna to take that result. At the same time, i got to say, they had a one-goal lead, in the last minute of the third period against a team that had won four of its last 19 games. I mean, you gotta you, you got to finish these, these <sighs> games. They're not beating good teams. you got to beat the bad teams. New Jersey, by the standings, is a bad team. They're in seventh place in their division. And yet, somehow, the Oilers allowed 41 shots, 18 grade-A shots, six goals against a, a fairly pedestrian Eastern Conference team. And it's a, it's a pretty disappointing... Uh, outcome even with the one point so my number bruce is two and eight 
The Oilers are in their last 10 games of two wins and eight losses. One of those losses came tonight in overtime. Two wins and eight losses. Yeah. This is uh this is that moment in the story when everyone's feeling really down and wondering if their heroes can pull it out of the fire. And uh that's where we are. We'll see. You know, it's you know, you got to you got to have that down moment before the good stuff comes maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it comes or not. Um you know, the Oilers have had a fair amount of tribulation, trials yep. and tribulations 100%. in the last month. They've had lots of players out, including their best defenseman, Daniel Lars out with, you know, various things. Other NHL teams have also been experiencing the same mm-hmm. kind of um, ruptures in their lineup because of the COVID protocols. So it's, they're not alone in that, but, you know, it, it has been a factor with the Oilers. Now we have Nuge who might be hurt, hurt or not. We'll see what happens. See what the news is there, but two and eight, Bruce. This is I'm a I'm a glass half full Oilers fan. I'm usually pretty optimistic. I, I I'm still optimistic. I'm glad they got a point. Like that was big. Like to get a point out of that game, they fought their way back. It doesn't feel they did good fight their way back several just, times. They fought their way back and they got a point. And it does, but it doesn't feel good. It feels like a loss because the, you know because of the way the game ended. 31 seconds left on a BS goal like that from outside. That's really frustrating when when it looked like the Oilers had that game buttoned down pretty good. So, yeah, frustrating moment for the Oilers. Lots of people mad at head coach Dave Tippett. Um, so, well, the two wins and the two and eight both came with Tippett and COVID pro- protocol. The Oilers have lost the last seven games that Tippett's been behind the bench, and they've also lost the last six playoff games that Tippett's been behind the bench, and. If you wonder why the knives are out in some quarters, you don't need to look much further than that. They're not getting the results. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. No, I'm not saying it's his fault that this or that happened in this particular game, but I will say that his team did not look like a very strong defensive team for huge portions of this game. I think that's fair. I don't see Ken Holland as a fire the coach kind of gem. He's never done it in the season. He's never done it once. He's never, eh? Never he's not gonna. It. He's not gonna start now. I mean, they'd have to. They'd have to literally get to below five, below real five hundred. If this team was, let's say, twenty wins and twenty three losses, if you know, if that's how the next run of games played out, I could. I could see it if the Oilers go below five hundred. Yeah, I actually could, because the clock's ticking, right? In a way that it wasn't ticking in Detroit before the the contract situations change with all these players and they're much less wedded to franchises than they were in the past. So I could see, although I think it's unlikely, the orders continue to slide. That said, Mike Smith's back, Darnell Nurse is back, Puglia Yarvey's back, the dynamite line was going, McDavid's going, we'll see what happens. CC's continuing to play well. Duncan Keith had a good game on the attack. Um, We'll see how it goes. There, there was there was lots of good that happened in this game, and if the Oilers had won in a shootout, we'd be both of us would be really happy right now, and we wouldn't be in a nearly such a sour mood. I don't think, but I am in a sour mood. And, I am too. Yeah. When you have the lead late, I mean, you got you got two chances. You either hold the lead or else yeah. you get the job done in, in gimmick time, and neither of those things happen. So I'm a little sour. I'll take the point. And I mean, they earned the point. They kept fighting back from one goal down to tie it up, and then, but they couldn't hold their own lead uh, to all the way to the end. So. I like that gimmick time. 
Mm. Well, it so kind of covers off both, right? And you got a third point either way in gimmick yeah. time. One, one gimmick or the other, the game gets decided. Gimmick time, yeah. Gimmick. <laughs> so long as they don't go into amic time, they're okay, Bruce, is all I'm saying. Star Trek well, reference. All right. Or time warp while the referees are deciding whether or not a play is challengeable or not. Can you believe that? It took them 10 minutes and the call is... Not, they're not even allowed to challenge it. Well, what was the 10 minutes about if they're not allowed to challenge it? What was it about any? What was the possibility? That, I, did, I skipped they, through they, that because I was behind thought, the game. They, New, New Jersey was claiming that the refs missed the stoppage. And basically they were saying that they touched the puck on the delayed penalty. And Dougie Hamilton swiped it away. And sometimes they call that and sometimes they don't. And then Keith's path went right through the stick of Hughes. He certainly touched the puck, but the rule doesn't say touch the puck. It says possess the puck. So it would have been it would have been a sad break for the Oilers to have a play stopped because of the referees called one penalty in the game. And that's why they stopped. Because that goal would have been scored had there been no penalty call at all. It would have been a goal. So anyway. Brutal. Yeah, that would yeah, have been brutal. Was, it was a long ten minutes because you're trying to. What are they? What are they talking about? <laughs> What's going on here? All right, all right. Well, Bruce, let's let's leave it there. You got to go work out here. Gonna go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for talking today, Bruce. All right. Thanks for listening and happy New Year, everybody. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Islanders, yeah. New Noon Mountain against the Islanders. Happy New Year, Oilers fans. Happy New Year's. To the faithful. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.